On this episode of The Clappers, so many things. Jazz, Melbourne International Jazz, Mujif, Smilf, uh, Black Dynamite, SBS. Fleabag. Eating out. Don't. Naomi don't. Wolf. That terrible, terrible thing. Yes, so much. And it just jam-packed. Ooh, it's jam-packed. It just all flows together, so there's no chopping and changing or finding your bitch. You're just going to have to listen from the start and go through to the end. Stop. Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. The other night, I went out to dinner, and I don't often go out to dinner. In fact, I never go out to dinner. Maybe I go out to dinner three times Hang on, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> My violin. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, so I'm very, I have very little experience in the whole way it's done now. First, you tuck your napkin into the shirt collar. That, that's, we're already, this is, we're not even there yet. Um <laughs> Because I know that that there's a whole lot lot of things that people do, yeah. And I don't think myself and my dining companion did any of them right. Right. Good to know. Good to know. Anyway, so you went out to dinner. So, well, yes, in a manner of speaking, we we got a car to drive us there, and it's not far from our so, house. We, we, you got a car? Mm-hmm. Okay, hang on. Is this a drive-through dinner? No, no, no. no, no okay, no. All right, a, a car to drive. Okay. Let's I'm clarify. Going to tell you, I'm going to tell you where. A car to drive us to Thornbury. Woo. Place I I, I rarely visit. And we went to go to a restaurant called Journeys. Right. The names aren't important, but they kind of are. And so we get out and we go there. <laughs> so I'm thinking Journeys is like a 1950s diner That's because it immediately too. suggests happy days. That's what I thought too. I, I don't know. And I still don't know. It was a Monday night <laughs> and yet their website assured us that they would be open. And of course they weren't. Well, as somebody who doesn't go out to restaurants often, you could perhaps be forgiven for not knowing that if most most restaurants that do mm-hmm. close, yep. close on a Monday night. Yep. yep. Even the ones whose websites say they are open on a Monday <laughs> night, it would seem. Because the website's very handy. For those of you who, like me, don't go out to dinner very often, restaurants have websites, and on their websites they will have the food that they make and the price, very important to me, the price of the food that <laughs> yes, they make. It is. And you can look all that up, and so you've got a picture in your mind. You, I mean, I also like to know how it, what it, kind of a joint it is to sit in, if it's you know how it looks. That's that's good too. But anyway, so it's shut, and we okay. Well, we'll go down the road to Umberto's. Okay, a friend of mine who does everything in his life in Thornbury said, "You go to Umberto's, you'd like it." And okay, get to Umberto's. Closed. Umberto's is shut. <laughs> also, <laughs> two for two. Umberto's is shut too. <laughs> And um, did you keep going? Did you go for a third? Yeah. Well, we, we, we at this point we're outside the Thornbury Theatre, and a friend of mine is inside the Thornbury Theatre, and and she's I guess just checking the door list for people who are going. There's a big function on a ball is right. on there that night. A ball in honour, like raising funds for this particular food charity that par- like partners refugees who go and teach people to cook oh, yeah, yeah. in their particular. Uh, ethnicity of cooking, right? And it was only $65. There was a great band playing and it looked like exactly what a great thing if we'd have known about this. We could have gone and done this instead. And so this friend of mine said, what are you guys doing here? I said, well, we went to go to Joni's and we went to Imberto's and they're shut. Yeah, they're all here. All the hospitality people (laughs) in Thornbury are at this ball because it's a food-related function and they're all up there drinking for free for the next 15 minutes until the bar cuts off. And so they're very merry. And some of them came down and said hi. Right. Umberto, Joni, did they say hi? No, no. Um, they really were closed. The, um, the next thing, though, that was lucky for us is that 
This friend of mine says, oh, I'm going anyway. Where, well, I'll take you somewhere. Where are you going? Where are you going? And we said, well, there was one more place that was on the list in East Brunswick, Lygon Street. I live in East Brunswick, she says. Be great. I'll just take you there. This is good. It's night's looking up. The <laughs> restaurant is called Bar Ida, this restaurant, which I've never been to. But uh, others have. Apparently, it's a very nice restaurant. And I think, well, good. Okay, we're going to go to Barita. And she drops us off a little bit in advance of Barita. And we, and it's good because there's a place there that used to be a brothel. Uh, you remember that, it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's now a restaurant. And it's it looks really nice inside. And we walk past it to, to go to Barita. And Barita is open. Yes. But Barita is having a celebration, birthday <laughs> celebration that night. We're celebrating 10 or however many years. It's full of men with moustaches and bow ties. 10 years with no Andrew Young. And, and you couldn't get through the door, even if you were invited and wanted to join the celebration of people standing really close together, holding drinks and little things in their hands. And this was becoming a little bit ludicrous for yeah. me. It was very cold. I was hungry by now, mm. perhaps a little irritable. No. But fortunately, this place that used to be a brothel was open. And it looked really nice. And in we went. And it was really nice. And it was warm. And everything just looked like the best restaurant you've ever seen in your life. Probably because at that point I was worried that I might not have any (laughs) go home to the babysitter and say, you can go now. Here's your money. Thanks for coming. Here's your $7.50. It's been great to have you, you know. Uh, We haven't been out long enough to even hit the 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 $10 mark. Fortunately, the restaurant was open. The food looked great. They had a great, great range of, of food and drink and everything. They did um, bring me the wrong food, uh, different to the food that I had ordered. And as they brought me the wrong food, the waiter, I for some reason had two of them, very attentive, um, s- suggested that I just have this talked me out of the food that I had ordered, said, no, you don't want that. All that is is blah, 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 blah. Just have this. This is real. It looked very nice. All right, okay, I'll just have this. At which point my other waiter comes out and says, oh, we're just about to bring you your food. What are you, what are you doing eating that? I go, oh, the guy took me out of that one. I'm, I'm just going to have – oh, no. And it was, it was a lot of confusion and I thought, are they just going to hate my guts now and spit in my food? We'll never know. I, I ate, I drank, and you I, are looking I a little did, pasty. I've I noticed. I feel I didn't suffer any consequences, but it did make <laughs> me think that I'm never ever going out to dinner ever again, <laughs> ever. It was really nice and everything, but I feel that there's some force that doesn't want me to go into a place where people pay money and sit down and eat together in the evening. Mm. It's the universe's. Protective shield, I it think. Is, it is. I'm sure I'm not a very good customer. I'm sure I'm not the kind of person you want in your restaurant, ordering food and then being delivered the wrong food and then eating it, for God's sake. I mean, really. You know, there's that, that, those people who believe, you know, that book, The Secret, people who believe that you get what you wish oh, for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, well, you know. <laughs> so if you take my tip, brothels, sure. Restaurants, not so sure. So have they changed the decor since you were there last? I have to confess, <laughs> I have to confess something to everybody listening. I have not visited this brothel. I've just been past it. Right. I've not been inside it. I haven't walked through the doors, crossed the threshold at all. I've just walked past it. You always use the service entry. <laughs> Thank you.
Andrew, have you seen Fleabag? No. Have you heard about Fleabag? Yeah. People, I, I you know, oh. people talk about things and I try to not to listen to you go, it. You go, blah, 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 I just blah, blah. Av- I just avoid it because, you know, anything that everybody's talking about. Okay. No. Well, block your ears because I'm going to I'm going to say that Fleabag is absolutely awesome. I mm-hmm. love this show. So what, what's it on? Uh, well, season two is on Amazon Prime oh, yeah. Video. It's created by a woman called Phoebe Wallerbridge, who also is the creator of Killing Eve, which I still haven't seen. Killing Eve. Uh, lots of people are very excited about that as well. I can't even say whether if you like Killing Eve, you will like Fleabag because okay. I, I I don't know. Anyway, Fleabag season yes. two mm. has just lobbed. Uh, mm. Season one was uh, released in two thousand and sixteen, so it's an American British co production. Amazon is. The, the streaming partner in this, Amazon's got it here. When the first season came out in Australia, Amazon wasn't really present in Australia. So presumably the rights went elsewhere. Now that it is here and it's uh, actively trying to drum up subscriber numbers, I think it's not entirely likely that it will end up on ABC. So mm-hmm. if you're a fan, you may have to actually fork out your whatever it is, seven seven bucks a month or whatever for have an you, Amazon Prime subscription. Have you investigated where the people can still watch season, season one, one on iView? No, I don't That's a shame. think you can. I don't think you, you can. To the no, I don't think you can. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah, thank okay. you. Thank Sorry. you. Captain, you Captain Condescending. You don't. <laughs> uh, it's uh, – the ABC's window on streaming is usually quite narrow. Yeah, it's true. So it's true. Uh, I notice things disappear before I even get to see them. That's right. And the show that, that was – on there, and I don't know when it went uh, to the ABC, but let's say it was 2017 or even 18. It's very unlikely to still be available that this much okay. longer. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge writes it and stars in it, and she plays a character who is unnamed, as mm. most of the characters are. Very, very few of them actually have uh, proper nouns, proper names. They're mm-hmm. they're just referred to as uh, you know the mother, the uh, the godmother, the father. Uh, the priest, and so on. And uh, our central character, our heroine, is, uh, we don't hear her name, but she's nominally referred to, well, not referred to, but thought of as Fleabag, which is a kind of a term of, you know, self-criticism, I guess, self-excoriation. It's comedy, it's drama, it's pretty unflinching. Uh, Season one is basically her going through a series of, bad relationships and bad hookups and uh, a lot of drinking and uh, stuff that's really about avoiding dealing with her issues by pretending they don't exist, by pretending to be utterly in control of, you know, who she shags and how much she drinks and all the rest of it when really she's borderline out of control. And uh, and there's a kind of – there's a, a grief element to it, which is uh, – Focuses on the fact that her best friend has died. Her best friend and partner in a in a, a cafe, a guinea pig themed cafe mm-hmm. in London, which has for approximately kids. not for kids, which has approximately zero customers at any given time. It's a total mm. failure of a business. Mm. Uh, anyway, we pick up season two is yeah. uh, a bit over a year later. Suddenly, and I'm not quite sure how. It's not really examined. The, the cafe is thriving, so she's got that aspect of her life under control. Uh, she's no longer wild, like rampantly shagging people. She's got that pretty much under control. Her drinking is pretty much under control. And uh, and she meets somebody and, uh, and, you know, kind of falls in love. 
and uh, he happens to be a priest. Man, I was he happens to be a priest. Well, do you mean he happens to be a Roman Catholic priest? Yes, a Roman Catholic well, priest. A different matter. Then. Mm, it's not a different matter. It's a priest. It's a priest. None of your Anglican pretend business. This is a real priest. So this is a priest having an adult relationship with a consenting adult. You mean is a priest who is struggling with whether or not to break his vow of celibacy. Yes, that's that's the he point. Apparently the only one. <laughs> there are indeed plenty of references luck, to that kind of thing. Good luck to him. Good luck to him, I say. Well it's, done, that priest. It's really funny and it's yeah. really sharp and, uh-huh. and uh, very, very honest and raw, I think, this mm. show is, is some of the best writing I've seen and, and brilliant performances. Olivia Coleman is in mm. it. She plays the godmother who is about yep. to marry uh, Fleabag's father. Mm-hmm. Um, her mother died some time ago. Um, and uh, Kristen Scott Thomas turns up in a just a magnificent little cameo mm-hmm. where she's this uh, businesswoman who's being presented with an award, and uh, and <laughs> the, she and they end up going out to drinks afterwards, and mm-hmm. and uh, Fleabag thinks, oh, I might try this, see if this is my thing, and, she, and she's like, oh, no, you're you're not my type, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a it's a very cute little scene. It's it's a great show. It is a really yeah. great show. Well, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it except you, Andrew. Yeah, and that's that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Mm. I don't need to talk about this. Okay. Well, anyway, if you want to see it, mm. you are probably going to have to fork out at least for a – well, fork out the zero dollars that's involved for a 30-day free subscription yeah. to a trial yeah. and see if you like it or not. I should ask you if you want to go out for a drink with me. And I'll be sure to treat you like a nasty little bitch. Um, that was a joke. Oh, no, Sorry. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. That was like, oh, okay. Quickly, while we're on television, just a couple of really quick things. Uh, obviously, I was right about 3LO, but I was wrong about Insiders. It's going to be none of those women that I suggested as an excellent host. It's going to be a guy from Sky called David mm. Spears replacing Barry Cassidy, except while the ABC rushed to make this great announcement, it turns out he's not only still under contract till the end of the year, so I don't know how he's going to take over on June the 8th, and he's got a no-compete, a non-compete clause for the period of however long, I don't know, after his contract finishes. So... Complicated, yeah, mm. weird. Like, mm. there's a strategy in that that isn't immediately apparent to my keen, finely honed mind. Maybe you can help me. What, why would the ABC announce something like that when uh, they can't? Really? Look, I don't know, I haven't really followed yeah. the details okay. of this one particularly closely, but my, my suspicion would be that it's got something to do with Spears wanting out. Yeah. Of the the complete nut house that yes. is Sky's news coverage mm-hmm. uh, leaves um, wasn't Laura Jane's on on her own I would think in the non crazy corner yeah and uh, she might she, come over to breakfast well who knows Virginia. who knows she might be she might be like suddenly elevated and think oh well you know it's lonely here but at least mm-hmm. they're paying me a truckload of money so I might as well stay yeah or she might say I can't do this on my own I'm mm-hmm. out of here. Or, you know, she might drink from the crazy Kool-Aid. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I'd hope not. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought I'd quickly mention that because while I love to brag about being right, I also must, you know, bring it bring it when I'm wrong. And I was wrong. I didn't think for a million years that it would be Spears mm. placing Barry. Mm. The other thing is I, I did watch something on television and it was on SBS, you know, the, the, the SBS on demand that I'm constantly carping about and mm. criticising. Oh, you went back? So you broke your vow. Mm, yeah, yeah, some vows right, are making right. broken, Carl. 
I don't think I need to tell <laughs> are you. Are we talking that. about priests again, are we? <laughs> I watched a film and it didn't do that thing with the, the three lots of ads over and over and over again every right. time you pull. I was able to watch this in a couple of parts. I didn't, don't have the time I would like to sit and watch a complete motion picture all in one go. But every time I stopped and went back to it, I didn't have to, I didn't watch a single advertisement. Really? So I watched this film in a couple of days and w- uninterrupted by commercials or nonsense. It was just very easy to watch and pause and resume. And So I think you've, you've cracked the code here. Yeah, okay? So yeah. I think you can write a little how-to for people and it basically goes, hey, peeps, I've worked out how to skip those pesky ads mm-hmm. on SBS On Demand. Mm-hmm. Just take that two-hour film you want to watch yep. and do it over two days. Yeah, but I'd done things like that before and it didn't work. So <laughs> Anyway, this film is called Black Dynamite. It was made, I think, in about 2009 and it's a, a parody of a whole bunch of films that they have called black exploitation films mm-hmm. for good or for ill. It's a comedy and it's, it's really funny. It's really funny. There's a lot of stock footage, a lot of bad kung fu, a lot of um, – pretend bad acting, a lot of shaky cameras and booms in shot and poor continuity to, you know, increase the parody of, of those type of films from the 70s. It was written by three people, one of them the star of the film, who I've not heard of any of the people in the film, and it it was really good. In a, in a way. I, would, I, I, just, I just clicked on it because I was curious. I probably wouldn't have watched it. On purpose, but I really enjoyed it. It was really, it was really funny parody. And the, the final scene, one of the final scenes of the film, and I'm going to tell you what it is. So if you're going to watch this and you're going to be bothered by hearing the final scene of the film, well, just come back in 30 seconds. Black Dynamite. <laughs> do you want me to say what happened? <laughs> has a kung fu fight with Richard Milhouse Nixon. And Richard Nixon is really good at Kung Fu or Kung Fu, as we used to call it. He's really good at martial arts and it's very entertaining watching the two of them battling away in the honky house, as it's called by one of the characters. So, yeah, well done, SBS, and uh, well done, Black Dynamite. It's really funny. And well way. done, Andrew Young. Yeah. I didn't remember for cracking any, the code. But I didn't remember any of the stars of the directors, but the star, a lot of the people involved are African-American themselves. And so, well, it's a gentle parody. It's not a, a nasty parody of, of a, a whole slew of films that people, you know, rightly or wrongly call black exploitation. Black Dynamite. Never in the history of the game has there been such devastation. The CIA needs Black Dynamite now more than ever. We need you, Black Dynamite, now more than ever. I thought I told you, hunkies from the CIA, that Black Dynamite was out of the game. And it's better than Shaft Superfly and the Mac put together. But when the mob kills his brother... Your death will not go on a bench. ...and put the dope on the street. It's my nephew, Bucky. He od He's back in the game and he's playing for keeps. I want to talk about a book. I read a book once. I'm reading one at the moment. Yeah? I'm reading two at the moment. Yeah, see, I confess. See, you always do this. I say I want to talk about something and then you jump over. You you've you've criticised me in the past <laughs> for not contributing to your parts on this by just sitting mute and nodding my head. I don't think and I don't think hijacking when I've started talking about something counts as contributing. And, and you're saying, I'm, I'm saying you're not alone, Carl. You're not, you're not that... Strange leper out there on the peninsula. Yeah, well, and I am. I am that. I am that. Um, 
Andrew Sean Greer, mm-hmm. who won the Pulitzer Prize for this book in 2018, less. And uh, only sort of stumbled across it quite recently. And it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, I'm not sure that it's kind of the sort of – it's good enough that you go, that's definitely a Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer winner. That's material yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's nice that it's kind of – So I said they gave one. <laughs> it's nice that they gave one. I'm a little disappointed that it wasn't to me. <laughs> no, but, but good on them. For, for, is this a novel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know. Yes, of yeah. course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Pull a Surprise for Fiction. And and it's a comedy. And, okay. uh, oh, it's a comic novel. And so, so that is kind of noteworthy in itself in, because it's not often that prizes of that sort are given to – that kind of book, particularly you know, the Pulitzer, um, and uh, and it's it's a I, I would describe it as being a, like a gay lucky Jim. It's about the oh, peregrinations really? of a uh, an author who is about to turn fifty, um, and he is uh, called Arthur Less, and he is sort of I'd say he's on the brink of a crisis of a midlife crisis. He's just written a new novel. His publisher has rejected it effectively mm-hmm. declined to publish it mm-hmm. and uh and his former lover is about to get married and he's been invited to the wedding and he doesn't want to go he thinks it's just it'll just rub salt in the wounds of how crap his life is and so he basically he's got a bunch of invitations to do things like to go and six weeks stint teaching in a german university mm-hmm. and to go to some uh, literary contest in italy and to go to something in mexico to do a travel piece somewhere so he just says i'll take them all and he, and he pieces together this hodgepodge itinerary. Good on him. Yes. Half his luck. And and off he goes and he has a series of misadventures. Yep. And uh, and it being a comedy, it, mm-hmm. it ends better than it might. Um, but it's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's very good. Uh, but the sort of the novel that he's that he's written and has been rejected. Yeah. Uh, he he's he has a conversation with this woman at one point. She's he tells her about this novel in which uh, it's it's the peregrinations of a middle-aged gay man walking around San Francisco, San Francisco and reflecting on his his life so far and she goes oh, he's, he's, it's not a serious novel that's a comedy and he, he kind of he's, he's like devastated by this and then and then at, mm. at another phase he go he kind of goes ah actually yes mm-hmm. and the, the the weight lifts from his shoulders and he retools his novel and it's precisely what the novelist Andrew Shongri did, apparently uh, something very, very similar. So it's kind of like a slightly meta kind of so it's uh, work, biographical, semi-biographical, well, semi-autobiographical. Look, account. I I don't know enough about Does he him live to in know. San Francisco? Is he gay? Is he fifty something? <laughs> tick, Andrew tick, tick. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. I don't mean there's nothing wrong with being gay. I mean there's nothing wrong with. <laughs> Writing from your own life. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Writing from your own life. No. So long as your life is relatively interesting. Well, most people's lives aren't. That's where fiction comes in. You make things up that are interesting. Mm. Even when you're writing about your own life, it's not interesting. You have to do things to make it sound interesting. You have to take a whole bunch of things that happen and then weave them into a story that's interesting. Or allow yourself to fabulize ever so slightly, mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. the, the mundane and make it slightly... Like me. Hilarious. That's all I do. I have a life full of mundanity. How many pages is this book? Oh, uh, sorry. How many pages? Well, on a Kindle, it's just the one. <laughs> See? 
Who was aided by this Kindle business? Oh, look, come on. Don't, don't you have it's a... It's 273 okay. pages. Okay, so it's a short book. And it takes you three hours and 47 minutes That's to read fantastic. it. So there you go. Fantastic. Who, Andrew Young, I ask you, who is aided by this Kindle nonsense? Yes. Well, I am now. Apparently. Uh, three hours, did you say? Three, uh, three hours and 47 three minutes. And 47 Typical minutes. time to read. Um, it's a good book. Yeah, it's funny. It's it sounds, good fun. It's good sounds, fun. Look, I think right now is a good time to be writing books about failure and being 50. I think there's a lot of people out there who will either find a lot of humour in that. Who are 50-year-old failures. Yeah, or, yeah. or will say, oh, that's me. Finally, someone is doing something for, for us. Yes. We've been forgotten for so long, and now there's entertainment for us, Yes, 50-year-olds. So what a great idea. And yeah. the Pulitzer clearly thinks so the as Pulitzer well. The Pulitzer definitely thought so, yes. yes. Either that or like they lost all the other submissions and went, oh, there's only this one. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll give it to them. No, no it's, it's, it's very good fun. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd recommend it for sure. What's yeah. the name again? It's less. No, the author's name? Andrew Sean Greer. Andrew Sean Greer, no longer a failed 50-year-old. Certainly not. I don't think he was beforehand, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right, good. Carl. Andrew. Don't touch that button. Oh, which? Dip, 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 dip. As I forewarned. Oh, yes. In a prior podcast, the Melbourne International Jazz Festival is I think it was five, actually. Us. I think you... Yes. Anyway, yeah. Is yeah. upon us very shortly. By the time this is out, it will have only just begun, as the Carpenter's song goes. There's lots to see, really too much. And, and I think this year is, is especially interesting because I feel that the balance between international artists and local artists of varying levels of fame and success is mm. really good. They've got a really good balance. There's some well-known names there's some little known names there's some local things that people can go to and there's also the big hamer hall type experiences and it starts may the 31st goes for i think about two weeks um the some some a quick couple of things to to think about going and seeing there's a young elder of jazz on the first of June, young elder. Yeah, this is that a contradictory term. It, well, yeah, it, it's meant to be. This very generous benefactor provides every year ten thousand dollars to a under thirty or or, yeah. or not much over thirty um, young, if you can call that young, jazz musician who puts in a submit. People put in submission for a, a composition that they're going to do that is revealed on the night, and it's not record. It's recorded by the radio station 3PBS-FM and only broadcast the once. Wow. It's not recorded for a commercial reason. It's like you need to be there and be there. And, of course, you know, you do you can hear it on the radio the following, I don't know, maybe a month later or something like that. And Is it never pressed and released as a – No, no, it's it not. Is it streamable anywhere? No. Well, well, in the sense that you can stream PBS-FM's radio programs for six months right. from when they're – but thereafter, it disappears. After it, it's gone. So it's so ephemeral. It is. It is ephemeral. Josh Kelly is the name of the winner this year, mm. and it's. Uh, I have no idea. No one. I mean, you can kind of have an idea what it sounds like, I suppose, if you look at the the person's other work, you know. Um, but I, I had a bit of a listen to some of his stuff, and you know, it could be anything, and that's part of the charm. It's. It's completely new and yeah. fresh, and you so don't why is know it called Young Elder? What's the what's the thinking? Well, I of suppose that? I suppose to to give a sense of uh, what would you call it? Like to make it sound like something that's you know 
to in, in the sense of it being somebody who's young, but also that bit I get. Yeah, but also the idea that there's a certain level of respect and command, right. and to be called an elder is is to be called somebody who was like mm. a master of, mm. of of their work, and this is to suggest that well. You don't have to be old to be an elder. You can mm. be a young, up-and-coming musician and command an equal layer of respect. It's at the Jazz Lab, which is in uh, in Brunswick, uh, and everyone who goes and sees jazz would know about this place. And, and every night in the festival, it's also doing a late-night thing with a band that they did the same thing with last year called The Rookies. So 11.30 every single night of the festival, so it's about 8 or 10 or 12, I don't know. Uh, you get to see late-night jazz. Late-night jazz. With people dropping in, of course, to sit in. Right. Yeah. Um, Is the elder young going to be sitting in? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Josh, you're the elder young. That'll be you. That'll be you. No, the elder young, you, mate. Are you going to be sitting in? I've not been invited, but maybe. maybe. Can you invite maybe, yourself? Maybe I'll invite myself. <laughs> um, the following just week. Drag I, your drum kit in. Oh, oh, it was no, just passing by. The following week, um, there's a thing that's called Nocturnal, which is at the Melbourne Museum. Which has a, a couple of bands, Horns of Leroy, Jazz Party, has Don Was. Do you know who Don yes. Was is? Yeah. Well, he is apparently the head isn't of. Blue it, isn't it Was not Was? Yeah. He is um, apparently the head of Blue Note I, Records. I saw that. Right? I mean, that's he hasn't always been the head of Blue no, Note he Records. Hasn't. I mean, the, no, he and look, Blue Note Records is a like a lot of record independent record labels starts off as its own thing run yeah. by a couple of guys, Alfred Wolf and Alfred Lyon and. Gene, well, I get the names from it. Anyway, Wolf and Lion are their surnames. Fantastic. Right? Yeah. And uh, at some point it gets bought out by some, you know, like an um, MCA or some um, M- some universal, something Was like that. Was it Atlantic that. or somebody? Did Atlantic buy Blue Note? Blue Note? Maybe. maybe. I, I mean, Atlantic anyway, were, then, were yeah. then, well, have also been sold. So they're now part of a conglomerate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Don Was is going to be there talking about 80 years of Blue Note history. Okay, uh, it's it's going to be a huge night at the museum, and there's going to be DJs, bands. You know, everyone talks about. It. Fortunately, nobody has said the words food trucks so far. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, there are no food trucks, which is great. I tell you, it's just great. No food trucks, as far as I'm aware. But that's a great night. That's on the eighth. Uh, you know, Vince Jones is playing on the sixth. Uh, on that same night, the Ross Irwin, the trumpet player from the Bamboos, is doing a. Shall I use the odious word reimagination of the Miles Davis album, Kind of Blue? That's a risky proposition. It, it, well, I don't think it is actually. Don't I, th- you? I think it's a it's 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 the opposite of a risky proposition. It's the m- most popular, well known, purchased jazz album ever. Yeah. So everybody is going to know what it is and know what to expect in a sense. Yeah, but also precisely have expectations about what it is. Yeah, we and we have great jazz musicians in Australia, yeah. and I think whoever is on that stage will be completely capable of performing that as required. Now, I don't know if it's going to be an exact... Will it be note perfect or will it be their riffing on it? I have no idea. But, and I take a leaf out of your book when I say this. Which is? I'm about to say something that takes a leaf out of the Carl Quinn system. (laughs) I'll be interviewing Ross Irwin this Saturday. (laughs) Sorry, I was just trying to, I was trying to channel your your, uh, Uh, derisive cackle, but I can't do it. I don't have it in me. No, you're too nice. I will be interviewing Rosso on this Saturday and so I will speak with him and ask him some 
detailed questions about what the audience can expect, as is the job of the interviewer when interviewing a performer about their upcoming performance. Hang, hang on, I'm just going to write that down. You do so. Is that what they're meant to do? That is the job of the interviewer. Say it again. Yeah. The job of the interviewer when interviewing a performer about an upcoming performance is to ask questions relevant to the content of that performance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Afterwards, we'll be going to the flower drum and sitting down and <laughs> taking photos of each other's food and then a picture of the bill for inclusion in um, some Saturday magazine, I imagine. So there's uh, MIJF is how you look it up. MIJF, Melbourne International Jazz Festival. You want to see a program. Midgf. Yeah, you want I know it doesn't... Doesn't quite trip off the tongue. Save well in the mouth, does it? Midgf. Midgf. Uh, oh, I said a clever thing. Did you win? The other oh, day. sorry, I missed it. Yeah, not not to you, but oh, I think okay. I'm going to say it to you. On the subject of Smilf, which you've yes. uh, spoken about, yeah. I said that it seems like the first season is like a whole series of events done in a, a Seinfeld way, looking at it from the most absurd comic rather than the... the, the second season comp- is not terribly funny at all. I've it's much more se- serious. I've seen episode of the second season to the point yeah. where I have to really steal myself and I feel it is like the same events but then filmed and uh, directed by Ken Loach. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so... Uh, hang on. I'm going to write that down you too. You should. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really hard for me to watch. I don't, yeah. we, we've just left... Melbourne National Jazz Festival. You should go, okay? It's on. Go to the website, check out some things, and you can see some great local people. You can see people like Herbie Hancock or Billy Childs, not local people. There's a Gershwin tribute. Um, Laura Mvula and Jose James are singing uh, with the MSO, so that's going to be great for the people of Camberwell and South Yarra and Essendon. They'll have something they can enjoy. It's something for everybody at Melbourne National Jazz Festival. And I just love the way you turned that into a bit of jazz there, how you improvised around the theme of <laughs> Of acronyms, <laughs> and then uh, and then go back to the the main so, melody. So well I've, done. I've well done. don't know how many I've watched, but I find it. Oh, really, we're back. <laughs> we're back on really, it's, it really upsets me. <laughs> I find it gut wrenching. It's. I think it's great that there's a show, and I've said this before about other things where the person, the the main character, the protagonist, is so execrable and uh, unrelenting in their. Selfishness and cruelty and meanness. I'm I'm enjoying that part immensely, but it does take a lot it's out good of you. To, it's good to have somebody you can identify it's, with, it's, isn't it? I, there's not enough people like me. I've said this well, before. Can I I've actually say yeah. that uh, Fleabag is mm-hmm. redolent of of Smilf in that respect? I uh-huh. think. Yeah. So, I, so I, I see quite a lot of similarities yeah, between. Yeah. Them. yeah. I, I'm I'm a fairly I'm pretty weak. You know, it's the same with Catastrophe. Like I watch yeah. one of them and I'm like. God, I'm going to need a month to recover from that episode. Right. Yeah. You know, so I would put those three shows all yeah. in the same category, yeah, yeah. And, and all I think yeah. are just terrific. Yeah. Really, really great. Yeah, and I'm not when I say this, I'm not taking anything. No, away no, from, I, I get that. It's just my own weak patheticness in and and being sensitive. Uh, you know, I'm just you're I'm, a petal. You're a delicate I, petal. I've said before how delicate my <laughs> physical health is. Well, now you know my emotional health is equally delicate, which is why I like to watch hard quiz. <laughs> just one one thing before we yeah, go, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Naomi Wolf, have you caught this? Have you no, caught no, this? No, 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 I don't know anything. Oh, okay. What's this all about? You posted something that looked really long and boring, and I thought, what's this all about? I'll, I'll find out some other way. I still haven't found out. Okay, right, great. Okay. Well, that's all from this episode of The Clappers. <laughs> <laughs> well done, that man. You have been taking notes. <laughs> well played, sir. She's got, she's got a new book out called okay. uh, Outrageous, and mm-hmm. in it, um, uh, 
she examines the history of uh, persecution of homosexuality, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a there's a whole um, uh, whole element about men who were basically in her telling who were executed mm-hmm. for acts of sodomy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she cited these instances by reference to the term death recorded. But in an interview on BBC Radio, uh, I I think it's called Dr. Matthew Sweet, um, is is the host of this program she was on. Um, Basically, he said to her, but actually, no, that's not what death recorded means. Death recorded is actually um, a a legal term from the 19th century that means that it was recorded, it was a capital offence, it was recorded as a as death recorded, but in fact the sentence was commuted, and New South Wales. Not only, I mean, some sometimes they were pardoned, but yes, mm-hmm. I mean, transportation was one of the possible outcomes. Yes, and uh, and she was basically confronted with this live on air in an interview, mm-hmm. and it was just horrendous. I mean, mm-hmm. there's this kind of she handled it reasonably well, I'd have mm-hmm. to say. Teenagers were now convicted more often. Indeed, that year, uh, which is eighteen. 18- 59. Um, 14-year-old Thomas Silver was actually executed for committing sodomy. The boy was indicted for an unnatural offence. Guilty. Death recorded. This is the first time the phrase unnatural offence entered the Old Bailey records. Thomas Silver wasn't executed. Death recorded. I, I was really surprised by this and I, I, I looked it up. Death recorded is the, is what's in I think most of these cases that you've uh, um, you've identified as executions. It doesn't mean that he was executed. It was a category that was created in 1823 that allowed judges to abstain from pronouncing a sentence of death on any capital convict whom they considered to be a fit subject for pardon. I don't think any of the executions you've identified here actually happened. Well, that's a really important thing to investigate. What is your what is your understanding of well, what death recorded means? Death recorded, this is also from, that, I've just read you the definition of it there from the Old Bailey website. But I've got here a newspaper report about Thomas Silver and also something uh, from, uh, from the prison records that, that show the date of his discharge. The prisoner was found guilty and sentence of death was recorded. Yeah. Ah, see, but the, the jury next... recommended the prisoner to mercy on account of his youth. See, I think this, I think this is a kind of, when I found this, I didn't really know what to do with it because I think it is—I think it's quite a big problem with your argument. Also, it's the nature of the offence here. Thomas Silver committed an indecent assault on a six-year-old boy. But it was just one of those moments where you go, "Oh my goodness, that would be the very worst scenario imaginable." You've got a book that's just fresh out, and one of your fundamental premises is just wrong. Just so wrong. you've misread it. You no, haven't gone back because so, it just seems yeah. so obvious. Men, men weren't executed. Are you saying, or these men weren't executed? These men yeah. weren't executed. May have been. I, I, look, I think the the assertion from the interviewer was that it was not, in fact, uh, common for men to be executed mm-hmm. for uh, over charges of sodomy. Yeah. Right. Um, jail was yep. certainly a possible outcome, and, and men have certainly been executed, uh, so to speak, in extrajudicial yep. uh, circumstances. But maybe in other countries where they have, yeah, executions we're talking about we're talking about under the British legal system. Yeah, okay, here, so. so this, yeah. yep, well, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. That book needs yeah. to be pulped. And well, that chapter rewritten. Mm, I don't know. I, I'm not going to make any grand statements about what should happen. It's not all a grand, all that is not a grand well, statement. No, it's, Books get pulped and recalled all the time. You know, it's. 
possible. I mean, Bob she's Ellis. talked about, she's talked about making updates to the, the ebook. Liberal. She's talked about making uh, insertions and all sorts of mm, things too. Mm. Insertions. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so, I however, I just I just want to say here, I I posted the, uh, yes. a link to the the full um, the full uh, interview on on BBC on on Facebook on yeah. my my page and. As I noted in that, I do this not with any sense of glee or schadenfreude because I just think it's such a horrendous thing. It is. And you could – I mean, it's it's, it's easy like to get things wrong. It's a mistake. It's, it's easy to get things wrong. It's not the same as deliberately trying That's to right. fabricate evidence uh, yeah, like correct. a few journalists have and have been caught out. Johan Hari, for example. You know, it's not like that. No. Um, and, yeah, it's terrible, man. Really. Well, thanks for ending on such a cheerful – do you? Okay. Yeah. Alright, quick. Uh, I'm mean, I just feel terrible for in, in Shall I get undressed? Many different That's always good for a laugh. Different directions. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna do okay, it. Do it, man. I'm ready ready to be amused. See Black Dynamite, that will keep this what you just said in mind. Yep. See Black Dynamite about two thirds of the way through you'll go. That's it for the clappers. Thank you for listening. We will return a week. <laughs>